welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the nerdy things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Essam Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. So today we have a really exciting interview for you guys coming up later. Uh, We actually just recorded that now, so peek behind the scenes. Um, It's going to be awesome. We are speaking to La Azov, who is the author of the awesome Harry Potter fanfiction Goldstein, but more on that in just a bit. For now, we're going to get started with our current obsessions as always. So SM, what is your current obsession? My current obsession, well, just finished, I guess, because... I accidentally finished this because I thought there were more episodes um, because the final season apparently only has like half as many as the normal season. But um, I finished Heart of Dixie last night. Um, And then when I realized that this was the finale, like about five minutes from the end of the episode, I realized this is like the series finale. I was like really sad because it's just a really fun and lighthearted episode. and just, you know, a silly, well-meaning, wholesome show. Um, and I just, I really enjoy feel-good TV right now. And it just, you know, you just take a break from all of the drama and all of the, you know, the dark, edgy stuff that's, you know, been very popular for a very long time now. Um, and I think I was first introduced to it um, when somebody mentioned it, I think it was Nava Wolf, who we interviewed before, she mentioned it on in Olaf. Um, and somebody was asking, you know, for TV shows where people speak in Southern accents, you know, because they're from the South, not because they're putting it on or anything. And she was like, Heart of Dixie has lots of great accents. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And um, I tried it. And it's just, you know, it's just warm and fluffy and comfort TV. And um, all I had known about it going in was that um, Rachel Bilson, um, who I knew from the OC, was on it. And that was literally all I knew. And I didn't even know how many seasons, which was evident when I finished it. <laughs> um, I thought it had five seasons. It really only has four. Um, and, yeah, and I enjoy a lot of the characters. And um, sometimes I am not, you know, big on the romance directions that they choose to take but I still enjoy the character interactions and I find them really just fun and sweet and yeah that's my I haven't I haven't watched Heart of Dixie but I really like Rachel Bilson and we could use more Rachel Bilson in this world (laughs) she's very fun oh and she is her character is half Jewish Mm -hmm. and they do bring it up you know in a lot of places and like well there's a there's a wedding at one point where they're like, you're half Jewish. We need to get a rabbi. And it's like, you know, shotgun wedding, you know, with a, with a, and they have to go find a rabbi. Um, Well, she is half Jewish. Yeah. So I figured they got that from her actual, you know, personage, but um, they do incorporate, you know, they mention it, you know, all sorts of times it comes up, you know, and they mentioned like, well, as your people would say, you know, mazel tov or something like that. Um, because it's a and it's a Josh it, yeah. Schwartz show, right? So those, those yeah, it is a Josh like... Schwartz show because yeah. Uh, yeah, he did the OC, so the Jewish representation is uh, you know it's a, a notch above um, what we usually see. So I enjoyed that. Nice. Oh, she's gonna be in a new show. I just I'm looking at her Wikipedia page. She's gonna play an actress who was on a cop series, and she came out of rehab and is looking 
um, is helping a, a, a PI solve cases as a research for a potential show that she's going to be on. So she's an actress who played a cop. Oh, and it's going to be great. Cause like yeah. she plays in, in heart of Dixie, she plays this fish out of water doctor from New York who ends up in Alabama for various reasons. And she's just really great at, at being that fish out of water character. So I, I can totally see this. <laughs> I, I like totally forgot that she ended up with Hayden Christensen, but I think they just separated. And I'm like, so weird that at the end of, 2017 or like in 2018 like Hayden Christensen like is doing nothing and Rachel Bilson is like on the rise again after like uh like OC era like I feel like a lot of people kind of thought well, that was the she end. did it right after the OC I think no um, she, she did it like it, it was a while um mm-hmm. let me look at her Wikipedia page now that I have it up um the OC ended in 2007 and Hardy Dixie started in 2011 mm. You like Might Dennis. just mushes things together. Yeah, she was in a few movies, including Jumper. Rip. Oh, Hayden I remember Christensen. Jumper. That's where she met Hayden Christensen. That makes sense. Yeah, terrible career path choices for him. <laughs> uh, I didn't see the movie, but I remember it. I think at that point he might have had to take what he could get. Yeah, apparently he's still been in some movies. But who knew? Anyway. He works very well in special effects films. Like I've read a lot of, you know, directors they want to work with him on special effects films because he's that's what he's used to and it's hard to find actors who are comfortable with all the green screen and all of the stuff wow. going on where you don't have an actor to play off. Well, that's interesting. Well, hopefully we'll get to see something from him again soon because like I don't know, it's still his career even if nobody liked his Star Wars. Yeah, and if you, I, I think I mentioned the movie Shattered Glass on a previous podcast episode, and that is a good. Oh, it's great. Story. He's great in that because he's supposed to be really ridiculously yeah. interesting. Yeah, he was. He was fun in that. Such a good movie. Anyhow, my my obsession. I'm gonna not let that Michal ask me. I don't know why I'm like hyped <laughs> up on coffee. Um, my obsession. I'm currently like binging. Um, when I'm not supposed to be like, it always is like, I'm going to watch just five minutes of this, even though I should be writing like six articles or something. I've been watching Victoria. It's the BBC, uh, masterpiece theater show. I think it's actually the first masterpiece theater show that I'm like watching. I like started Downton Abbey and I never really followed through with it because it was already up to like a bunch of seasons by the time I started, but Victoria is on Amazon prime now. And I really like it. Um, she's played by, um, What's her name from? Uh, sorry, Victoria's played by Jenna Coleman, and she was in Doctor Who. And um, like the guy who plays Albert is just <laughs> so perfect as Albert. And I know I read a lot of romance novels, and Victoria and Albert are often like referenced in them, and their relationship is often referenced in them. Tom Hughes, that's who plays Albert, and like they're always kind of portrayed historically as like a really good strong couple so seeing the depiction of how like they fall in love and how they like everything works out is really really nice I did have some qualms at the beginning of the series because I felt like each episode was like depicting like a year and it was in one episode and I felt like it was really 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 tough but then they like kind of slowed things down um but like in like the most recent episode I watched like she's pregnant with her first kid and like the whole pregnancy seems to take place in like an episode and a half so it's not like each I don't I haven't really read up on it and to see how 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 each season is broken up because like um 
in the crown, which I've also been watching. I think I mentioned here that I've been watching it. Like it's pretty decisive why they're ending each season at what time, like each season is a decade. Um, but I can't really figure out if the crown, if uh, Victoria is doing that, but I really, really like it so far. And uh, there's two seasons out. And so hopefully there'll be a lot more. Yeah, I um I watched the first season. I haven't watched the second season yet, but I was like very much racked with guilt over having a very big crush over a German prince. Um, like <laughs> I was like that probably wouldn't end well. <laughs> but I mean, oh, you're I, allowed. It's a historical. True. You know? He's also he's not actually German, but also I'm like I just pulled up the Wikipedia page as I was talking. I didn't realize I'm up to the last episode, like the episode where she's giving birth. I have like five minutes left, and it's the the last episode of the first season. I'm like, oh shoot, have it. Like, why did I stop watching that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, honestly, it was so interesting because, like, you know, we think of German and British history and like relationship to like uh, World War One and World War Two, but like even even in the uh, like 1800s, they were already like, no, why do we need Germans? But like, I mean, they're they already were they were already rules by Germans. Like the like King George was German. Um, so I don't know. Just there's a lot of uh, anti-German setup sentiment. So it kind of makes sense that Germany and England are never on the same side in a war because apparently they've hated each other for like. 500 years yeah <laughs> but it's also it, it is like when you when you throw in at like a, a historical point like that and you're like oh my gosh this is where like all of the stuff that happened later started and you know because victoria obviously had such a huge impact like yeah mm. i also found it just like ironic because the whole first season most of the first season is kind of like stressing out over how she might die in childbirth and obviously mm. historically we know she had nine kids and did fine um so it was just kind of like did it did she lose any of them in in, in infancy i couldn't remember i knew she had like almost 10 kids but i, I didn't remember if they all survived to adulthood i don't know i don't know about that but i know that like they all survived birth yeah it was kind of funny also like i said i read a lot of romance novels and one of them that i just read was about the morning that came out of Charlotte's death, mm. like how like the whole country was literally just stuck into a mourning period because they literally didn't know what would happen to the royal family and like how like all this stuff was going on. I mean, that's how Victoria ended up essentially as queen. Um, but like it affected the plot. So like I just finished that and then I started Victoria. And I was like, oh, we're talking about Charlotte dying in Charlotte birth. This in child Charlotte birth. It's Charlotte <laughs> dying in Charlotte. Oh my gosh, I did it again. Charlotte <laughs> dying in childbirth, like this whole season, and like it's so ironic. And we all know, like you said, like definitely Victoria did not die from childbirth. But it's just interesting. But yeah, I like it. I would suggest that people watch it. I know it's not like fandom-y, but I like history and that history's a fandom. We're nerds. History is totally a fandom. It is. I agree. I just Have found I- out that uh, there's a, the, in uh, I don't know, it was the 70s or maybe earlier, there was a, an astronaut who used Manischewitz as a swear word and it's like in the official NASA transcripts which are available for anyone to see. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it would just be like, oh, Manischewitz, did you see that? <laughs> oh, so this is interesting. Did anybody else watch The Crown? No. Oh, so there's, like, this issue in it where um, Philip really wants 
like Charles and his other kids to carry his last name. Um, and he can't. And I'm just reading that Victoria was the last of the Hanover line because the, her, their kids took on Philip's last name, um, the Sachs Kohlberg. And like that ended up being turned into um, the UK who we have now. Uh, what's the, Windsor? What's the last name? Yeah, so they turned it, they changed it into Windsor in 1917. Um, so, like, it's interesting that they probably changed the law because Philip's last name was so German, so that if another future queen, like Elizabeth, married someone who is, has a German sounding, who has a European sounding last name, they're going with Windsor or the British sounding one. Hmm. Cool. Which is random. Uh, How about you? Yeah, so um, my obsession, I guess I'm also going to go with something on TV, um, but but of a very different tone. Um, Jessica Jones season two comes out today. You were about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what else would I be talking about? Um, I have seen the first five episodes um, because I I wrote a review for Hypable. and yeah, I saw you had wrote, wrote a review, and it sounded like you're not too enthusiastic about yeah, it this, and like I'm sad, and ha- I'm not reading your review. I have mixed feelings. I I don't know if my expectations were so high, and that's that's part of it. But like, I don't know. It's it's missing a certain something that the first season had for me. But it was only five episodes, so there's definitely room for it to, like kick into gear. And a lot of the time, they actually. I feel like I remember the first season taking a little while to get going. Yeah, I still haven't finished it. The first, the first season for me is so brilliant because it knows exactly what it's doing. So like, even when it's kind of like lingering and and stalling a little bit because they have to fill out thirteen episodes, it's still very like, um, it's it's still very like everything feels pretty purposeful to me. You know, the violence feels purposeful. Like it, it's it's jarring for a reason. Um, I don't feel as much that way in the second season, but. Um, the way it works with, with screeners is a lot of the time they'll give you, like, they'll, they'll give you up until kind of like the major event in the season. Um, so I'm anticipating things picking up after episode five. Maybe like it's intentional. Yeah, no, it might be it, like totally. It's, it's hard to judge these things on, on just what you have. Um, but that's, that's what I have to do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and I mean, like, there are definitely still things I, I love, like Malcolm is my precious baby angel, um, he's played by, uh, Eka Darville, and he's so good, and he, like, needs his own show, um, and, you know, Trish and, and Jessica's friendship is still really great, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to have a female-centric show, like, regardless of, of any other factors, but, uh, also today's International Women's Day which they did on purpose, so that's awesome. Yay! Yeah. Uh, But I'm sure I'll have more thoughts on Jessica Jones when I finish this season. And uh, and they just announced that Luke Cage is coming out in, like, June because, you know, we can't can't get a break. We need to live in a world of Marvel constantly Um, because Infinity War is coming out in April. And, I mean, it's... (laughs) This is my entire life. It's crazy. (laughs) I just, like, want Black Panther or Shuri Part 2. Like, that's yeah. all I want from the world right yeah. now. Well, she's going to be in Infinity War, so. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, I really want to see her interacting with all the other Avenger people and for her to just be like, oh, you guys think you're smart. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
So for the second half of our uh, discussion today, we're really, really happy to speak to La Azov, who is the author of the award-winning Harry Potter fanfiction Goldstein. Goldstein tells the story of Harry's Ravenclaw yearmate Anthony, or Yehuda Goldstein, a religious Jewish boy from Golders Green who discovers that he is a wizard. The story is a rich and funny and poignant exploration of what it would really be like to show up at Hogwarts with a yarmulke on your head and not one other Jew in sight. And of course, it's filled with the magic of Harry Potter. So, Laazov, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. So our first question for you, if I may, is, let's start with the basics. How did you get into Harry Potter? Who is your favorite character? And what is your house? We need to, we need to know your deets. I got it. Okay. Uh, honestly, I really don't remember a time when I hadn't read Harry Potter. Uh, I was pretty young when it came, when did it, when did the first book come out? 1997, I think. Yeah. So I was like, I was like not quite three. I really don't remember ever. I don't remember getting into Harry Potter. Like it's always been there. Um, I mean, we have there's this old family story about me reading the Sorcerer's Stone under my desk in first grade, but I really don't remember that. Aww. <laughs> well, even if it's not true, I love it. I believe it. I just don't, you know, just an old story floating around. I don't remember it at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> and who's your favorite character? Um, my favorite character is Ron, I think. Just because just he's like a regular guy with real flaws and he doesn't have anything handed to him on a platter. You know, he, he kind of earns his happy ending. Oh, yeah, I love that. And that's a, that's an unusual choice, I think. Yeah, I know. And I think Ron is underrated. Ron is yeah. underrated. I think the movie is kind of like... Yeah, that's oh, yeah, the movie well. did not do right by Ron. No, they kind of made people dislike him more. I mean, yeah. but he... Yeah. Um, but, and finally, uh, what house are you in? Um, I really, I honestly, I always assumed I would be in Ravenclaw just because I'm, I'm a huge bookworm. But I took the sorting quiz on Pottermore and I got Slytherin. I was Ooh. really shocked. I was really shocked. I'm, I'm like still coming to terms with it. My sister says she knew it all along. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. There is no shame in being in Slytherin, although I personally feel that your Hogwarts heart, uh, your Hogwarts house is what you feel in your heart. I refuse wow. to take that quiz in case it lands me somewhere else, but Ravenclaw, I will not <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Exactly. Okay, so now we're going to get into the, you know, the serious stuff. How did you decide to write this Goldstein fan fiction? So, so kind of on a whim. Um, I started reading fan fiction, like, after... after I saw Disney's Frozen, uh, hence the username. I, I have these emails from November where I'm emailing my sister, like, oh, I'm so tempted to write a fan fiction where Anthony's only his legal name. We have, like, some back and forth while we're trying to come up with it with a Hebrew name to go with Anthony. And then she emailed me, like, wait, have you ever written fan fiction before? And I was like, nah, how hard could it be? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, there wasn't really a lot of planning. It was just spur of the moment. <laughs> how old were you when you decided to start reading it? Uh, 20? 19? <laughs> um, so what's your what's your your writing process? Like, do you, like, reread Harry Potter along the way, or you plot it out? How, how, do you, like, have things planned out, or you kind of just go chapter by chapter? When I started, it was kind of, like, just to scratch the itch, you know, to answer what if Anthony Goldstein was from Quest 
question. But then when I started writing, I realized I had to like backtrack to how did he even get to Hogwarts in the first place, and then I had to start researching all the halakha of magic, and then, you know, I, I realized pretty quickly that like, what if Anthony Goldstein was from isn't really enough to carry a whole story. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I made up some subplots. I worked out what would have to happen in each book going in an exciting way, and also like how how and also how the stuff in the story interacts with the events of Harry Potter. So mm. I kind of. To some extent, I have I have this whole thing planned out, but you know, there's a lot of room in there for winging it and making stuff up. Um, what do you ask if I reread Harry Potter? I do I do reread it like when I have to write in the voices of some of the more iconic characters just to get myself in the frame of mind. And that that's actually something you do really well. Like I think my favorite chapter is uh, the final chapter in um, or second final of Sorcerer's Stone, where like. Yehuda's at the at the teacher's table and like they're all just having normal teacher conversations and I was like oh my god this feels oh, like Harry Potter was so hard. I'm so glad you like it it was so hard I, I, I had to do so much that, that chapter took shape so slowly that was it's, it's one of my favorites so call it a vote that was amazing um and uh I'm actually wondering what was your biggest challenge in bringing a Jewish boy to Hogwarts because like I, I feel like something that's so relatable about Goldstein is that, you know, every every second there's, like, a new halacha problem that he has to deal with, and I it's, like, so relatable, and also I'm like, how how are you figuring all this out? So you mean, like, writing-wise or, like, halachically, what's the biggest challenge? Um, either, really, actually. Because writing-wise, I mean, the biggest challenge in, in bringing, like, a, a, a from kid to Hogwarts is just to, it's really a clash of cultures, and it's very hard to write that in, like, a way that's realistic, but it's also respectful, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to write anything that was condemning of, of Hogwarts, or and I didn't want to make make him out to be some kind of, you know, stereotypical fanatic. So it, it's it's very hard, you know, trying to to make it realistic and respectful and, and honest. Um, I mean, halakhically, the biggest issue is just magic overall, because once it's not once it's not a matter of pikuach nefesh, it's very very hard to justify him staying at Hogwarts. You know, halakhically and culturally. I, I can see that conflict brewing, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Stay tuned. <laughs> so, can you talk about um, writing Yehuda's character? Because I found it really interesting. I found him um, to be one of the most compelling aspects of the of the fic because he's really smart and sweet, but he has very clear flaws, and he you know represents like really great things about his culture, but also the really negative parts of like the insularity and the prejudice uh, against the non-Jewish world. And he has a hard time making friends and seeing the other boys as just regular people because of his upbringing. So how do you balance those elements of his character? Uh, I, I knew I didn't want to have like a perfect narrator, you know, like, you know, everybody who opposes them is evil and even their flaws are cute. You know, uh, I, I didn't want to have one of those. But, you know, I, I just try to write him moment by moment. Just, you know, I mean, sometimes he'll do something, he'll make a decision that I really don't enjoy writing. The way he's so defensive around Terry and the way he doesn't pr- protest the attack on religion and history of magic. But it's it's really, you know, just a matter of making him a real boy, a real person. I guess that goes up there with why Ron's my favorite character. Yeah, know. did you model him on anybody? No. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't, I honestly, I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, no, I mean, like <laughs> in terms of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, like, have you seen like you've seen these these ways of behaving, you know, in the community around you and you just, you know, you adapted it. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess to an extent he is a stereotype. You know. No, I don't mean a stereotype. But I think, <laughs> uh, he's not, I, I, like, not really a stereotype, more like a, an amalgamation of a lot of characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I know him. It's, <laughs> it's like... Thank you, I'm so flattered. Yeah. <laughs> he reminds me of, like, my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, like, include, you're very detailed with, with your inclusions of Tanakh and Gemara and just, like, everything about Halacha. And it's such such a nice thing to, like, just read about. Um, especially since, like, they're almost always connected to the, the themes of your story. So how much research and preparation goes into finding those bits of text or these things, like, that you've learned before or you're, you're coming up with a storyline and then you're, like, looking into the halacha and stuff? So the, the fact that the halacha is sometimes thematic, that's, like, a happy coincidence. I'm glad it works out that way. Um, but the halachic stuff is, is so painful. It takes so much research. Also, a lot of pestering people who are more knowledgeable than me. Uh... So shout out to all those people. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you have like hours and hours of discussion going into like one throwaway line, or some, you know, sometimes it gets cut. Um, and the, in the, I have something in the last chapter where he writes to the rabbi to ask, you know, to, they get they're giving him five days out of the out of Hogwarts. Which, which days should he pick? And so that one took like days. My whole family was going through all the relevant opinions, and you know, I'm still not even 100 percent sure that I came up with the right conclusion, but, you know, that, that, that's halacha. <laughs> and um, something I found really relatable um, is that, you know, Yehuda starts to feel kind of like he's he, he doesn't belong in either world. He doesn't belong in his, you know, in like his, his religious family. He feels a little alienated from them, even though he's happy to be back. And then obviously to Hogwarts, he has you know, he has so many differences from everyone else. So he's kind of like halfway in both worlds. Um, um, are you going to be exploring that kind of alienation is a strong word, but that, that feeling of not belonging um, further in the story? Hmm. Uh, let me answer this without spoilers. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like he's just starting to realize what a unique, situ- like a really unique situation he's in. There's really nobody that could understand him. Not you know, no one in Hogwarts can understand the from side of things. No one at home can understand the Hogwarts side of things. So, you know, that that, that really is it's a, it's a really hard place to be in. But um, yeah, that's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Cool. Yeah. Well, something else that resonates um, with uh, with us was like the experience of having to explain each new religious requirement in a secular setting, you know, and like when he just keeps having more and more holidays and he's like, oh, I have to explain this one. Um, have you had that experience in your own life? Um, and what was that like to explore it in fiction? So it, it's kind of embarrassing because I actually am not drawing at all from any personal experience. I went to a Jewish college I interned in Jewish companies. I went to a Jewish graduate school, and like now I'm working in a Jewish school. And I, I never really, ha- I never a- ever had to, you know, go up to an authority figure and have something hinge on them approving my religion. But, but really, that 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 part of the story, that aspect of the story, is what really gets the most appreciation from people. You know, I got, I've gotten letters from people. They say they're struggling as the only Orthodox Jew in their college or their workplace wherever they are and reading about you that gives them strength and that's like I'm, I'm so honored and so touched about that but it, it like I it, it almost feels like I'm, I'm appropriating someone else's struggle just so I can add some drama to my fan fiction you know I don't think it's 
like appropriating. You're just telling a story that like you, you might not be part of it, but you're aware of it. Yeah. I mean, it's for sure. It's like really, it's all of our story in a way, but it is, you know, but people are always, people always ask me that like, Oh, this is this your experience that I'm representing the feeling very well. And like, I'm glad I am, but I've never had to do that. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's part of writing. I say as a uh, fiction writer myself, um, is just trying to, you know, empathize with a situation that you, you know, haven't necessarily lived, but, you know, can understand, um, because you relate to certain aspects of it. Like, you know, your religion is an important part of you, you know, and like, if you were in this situation where you had to justify it to others, you know, so I think that's probably why you're able to write it so compellingly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you, that's what you do as a fiction writer is just, you know, rely on your own experience and your research and just hope it, you know, hope it resonates. Which character have you like liked writing the most through you who desires like from the Harry Potter world? You know, I feel like we don't really like I haven't had a lot of opportunity to write the major characters. You know, it's it's kind of the story kind of runs parallel. It doesn't really intersect so much. Harry Potter doesn't really show a lot of Ravenclaw. Um, the ones that I do get to do, like so far, my favorite has been Michael. Like we really don't know anything about him from the books. His dark hair. He broke up with his girlfriend over Quidditch. Ron doesn't like him. But it's really been fun to like expand on his character and see how he became that way. But you know, of course, there's there's more coming that I'm really looking forward to writing. But of who of whom I've done so far, Michael. To say Michael. Is it because you've been able to like kind of create that one the most? Well, I kind of created all of them really because we don't you don't really know much about them. They're not really like you doesn't even see a lot of the characters that Harry does at all. But he interacts with a lot of the professors. The professors, that's true. That is true. But they aren't as fun to write. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all kind of wondering if uh, if Snape, if we're reading the signs right that you're laying down about Snape, we're not we're not sure yet, but we'll see. That's an interesting. That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, so I was wondering, um, I guess bouncing off of that, are you going to explore more of Jewish life at Hogwarts? The so- the Sorting Hat, who again you also write really really well. Um, the Sorting Hat says that, you know, like, yeah, no, duh, obviously there have been Jews at Hogwarts before, and you're just like, what? Um, and we also get maybe indications that he won't always be alone there, won't go too deeply into spoilers, but, um, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, was there a question there? Yeah, yeah, are we gonna, are we, basically, are we gonna explore more of Jewish life at Hogwarts? In the past or in the, or in the future? Yeah, like other Jewish wizards. Yeah, yes. Oh, so excited. Me too. (laughs) Cool. Is there a particular moment in the course of the series that you're particularly excited to get to right now? Oh, yeah, so many. Uh, (laughs) I got so impatient for some of those scenes that, like, I wrote them already, just because I couldn't wait to get there. Uh, I know that feeling. I I wrote the Bogart class. I wrote the events surrounding the Yule Wall. I wrote a few of the scenes that come right after the Battle of Hogwarts. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to end up using them because of character development, but I really wanted, you know, I had these plot bunnies bouncing around, so I just wrote them out. Didn't want to wait until, I didn't want to wait four books to get there. Oh my gosh. Um, gosh. I love, I love how like, I mean, I feel like I'm like sort of talking to J.K. Rowling for a sec, just like in terms of how much I de- <laughs> like how deeply you plan this out. Cause I know I'm, I'm super impressed cause it's really, really hard. And when I write fan fiction, I just, I usually just write drabbles, and it's like, cool, I get to be in this character's head for, like, you know, 
half an hour and I'm happy with it. But like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super impressed. My sister uh, writes one shot. My sister writes one shots like that, and like I don't know, I don't know how she does it. It's like so hard to compact such a story into such a small, you know, into such a small contained space. I don't know how anybody does it. The trick is to be trick really is- scared of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like um? You know, have you ever seen J.K. Rowling's like character guide spreadsheet thing that she has? Like it looks like an Excel spreadsheet that she hand wrote. I saw I saw her do I saw something that she had with, that like laid out all her subplots. Mm. I think that I, I saw that once. I actually used a similar thing. Like I made a table to show those things, but I'm not sure what you were talking about with the characters. Yeah, she. I think it's that. Um, I don't. I thought it was characters, but um, I guess uh, along with you know like getting to explore and and write fan fiction for the first time, uh, what have you learned from writing Goldstein? Um, I, I think I've become a much better writer, honestly. Like, I, I, I see a lot of improvement in my writing style, mm-hmm. just from trial and error. You know, for, I got a lot better at, like, writing f- from way up close in the character's viewpoint. Um, also, also, my account on fanfiction.net, that was the first time I ever made an account in, on any website. Like, I honestly thought a serial killer was going to jump out of the screen and murder me. Oh, no. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's been three years. No one's killed me yet. So that's another thing I've learned. The internet's not full of murderers. Uh, So I guess, like, you kind of mentioned this before, but I thought it was just, like, fan fiction. So are you, like, not at all involved in any, like, online fandom interactions aside from this? Not at all. Not in the slightest. My sister sometimes sends me these funny comments from Olive if anybody mentions Goldstein. But, like, I'm not on social media at all. I'm not involved in any fan things. So and now, when it gets updated, somebody makes a post. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So this must have been like a real experience for you. It ha- it really has been. When you what was your reaction when you got your first comment? I was so shocked. Like I had I had I had read a little bit of fan fiction here and there, but I'd never left comments. You know, mm-hmm. see murderer thing. But <laughs> like I had never written fan fiction before, and there was like in the beginning when I was updating semi regularly, there was such a flood of compliments and criticism and analysis and it was it was really heartwarming like I was so shocked that people cared so much like I don't know I, I was so shocked can I jump the gun on a question that I don't think we planned on asking but do yeah. you find that most of your readers like are they from are they Jewish are they people who are commenting like wow I never knew anything about Judaism before yeah I have gotten some of those actually actually I was actually saw somebody discussing my story on reddit and someone else jumped in and said like this fic- this Tick is going to be really educational for you, and you're going to learn so much about Judaism, but it's not going to hold your hand, so you better read up on Judaism first. That's so cool. That's awesome. Did your sister link you to that, or, like, um, are you actually, now on Reddit I, I, I also? Now few, I now have a few other accounts on websites. Fan, mm-hmm. You know, fanfiction.net was my first. But, you know, no, I saw I saw that with my own eyes. <laughs> um. So I was wondering... Um. I guess along those lines, what was what's been the most unexpected part of writing Goldstein for you? Like, what was was there a point where you were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than I ever imagined it"? Yeah, the, I mean, the responses that I was getting were really was really shocking. Like, I, it was it was really nice, but like, I, I I wasn't expecting that at all. I was just you know posting a story because I was trying to scratch this itch of what if Anthony Goldstein was from, and all of a sudden there was this like, overwhelming response. Like, 
people, you know, people saying that they, that he inspires them and they they've learned so much from it and he gives them strength and it, like it's 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 really really shocking to me because like I'm just writing a story and it, it really means a lot to people and that's 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 really nice but it's so surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Every, Every, every every reviewer comment that I get, I'm like, wow, another person cares about this. I mean, I, I know yeah. I've been hearing about Goldstein literally for years and kind of I, I like I don't like reading Harry Potter fan fiction because it's so like dear to me. So I was always like, that's cool. I'm not going to look into it. Um, and then when we started like d- like when it was like, oh, gosh, we should have her on the podcast. I was like, first of all, oh, my God, a whole new world. But also. Yeah, no, it's really relatable and and intelligent and like I, I didn't know what to expect, but I was like amazingly surprised. I stayed up pretty late reading. <laughs> yeah, I had to cram. I had to cram so that I would make sure that I finished before um, we had you on. And like, so I I like read fifteen chapters in one day. I'm not kidding. I will admit I'm not I'm not up to date right now. I think I'm like two chapters behind. I read it a few months ago, but I'm I'm I like forget that I'm reading fanfics, so <laughs> so it's not good. It's really nice to save them up, and then you have like more. But then you reach the end, and you're like, wait a second, I expect <laughs> to have more chapters. <laughs> I don't really like reading fanfics that often, and when I do, I tend to filter out by like complete because I don't want cliffhangers yeah. and and I'm very averse to people who don't finish stories so like just to avoid that okay, but this one those people well honestly I didn't start reading it until you like updated it a few months ago for the first time in a while because I was just like oh my gosh this got dropped I'm not going to read this and then you <laughs> updated it. I was like I could read it out you know I graduated there was more time <laughs> ah, excellent that's really good to hear <laughs> she has free time yeah yeah no pressure (laughs) so no spoilers but can you tease anything that's coming up in uh book two of uh of this series i know spoilers because i was gonna say like someone unleashes this giant snake on the castle (laughs) (laughs) oh my god gosh (laughs) sorry um well well, at the, at the end of the last, at the end of the Sorcerer's Stone, my version of the Sorcerer's Stone, so the Sorting Hat makes this comment to him about, the, you know, the last time someone asked him about kosher food was 50 years ago, so he starts to research, you know, research that and who was there 50 years ago, and you're going to find out some more about that and some more about his own family history, and yeah. If you make Voldemort You're not making Jewish, Voldemort Jewish, are you? That's an interesting... Voldemort is not going to be Jewish, That's right? interesting. That would be interesting. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? (laughs) It would be interesting, but it would be a very different fic. Well, I don't know. I aim aim for canon compliance. I mean, it doesn't say anywhere that he wasn't. This is true. (laughs) He was like Hitler, so I'd rather him not be Jewish. (laughs) No, but now I'm like, I'm like imagining like the whole story of Voldemort being like just anti-Semitism. And, like, they didn't like him at the orphanage because he was Jewish. They all think he's suspicious because he's Jewish. <laughs> okay, you can go You can go write that. <laughs> yeah, so basically Make it a like, one shot. Wait, maybe <laughs> I'm going to write it. Maybe I'm in he's the like wizard thank you. The oh next one's going to be called um, Riddleman. Or Riddlestein. <laughs> Riddlestein. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I love it. All right, um, I think that's all we have, guys. Any other questions? Um, I think that's. I was. We usually ask people like, "Oh, where can they find you on social media and stuff?" But you don't have any. That is true. I have, I have, a, Tumblr. I have a Tumblr now. That's a pretty recent development. Ooh, Ooh. do you want to give people your Tumblr account? Lazo, fascinatingly enough. What does Lazo mean? Well, like I got into fan fiction after I saw Frozen. So let's let it go in Hebrew. Oh, so cute. Oh, okay. That's what I thought you meant when you referenced Frozen earlier, but I wasn't totally sure. My Hebrew's terrible, so I was like, does that mean Frozen? (laughs) I I don't know why. I was, like, thinking it was, like, related to, like, Yiddish, and I don't even know what I was thinking. (laughs) I like how you refer to your sister. I like how you refer to your sister as Ahos Lazov. Oh, she picked that herself. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. Um, thank I, you. Thank me. I, I know we are all seriously looking forward to seeing you know Yehuda climb through the room of requirement door uh, when it comes time for book five. I think that'll be a, a day of great celebration I'm, in the Jewish community. <laughs> I am really looking forward to that too. Awesome. All right. So we will. We will hopefully speak to you again in the future. Hopefully. I would like that. All right. Have a great day. Have Have a a good one. And uh, happy Pesach, almost. God. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like, I know. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Live Live long long and prosper. prosper.